Welcome to Let's Get Our Ship Together, a queer women of color debrief on the latest in queer lady and POC representation in television and film. I'm Amira. And I'm Aphrodite. And in this episode, we will mostly be covering the latest crazy episode of Charmed. However, we have a couple of announcements we want to make first. Um, So unfortunately, we got some bad news in the world of fandoms. We're devastated. We are. We are. We don't know if we can recuperate. I'm sure you've all heard by now, but um, our beloved One Day at a Time has been canceled by Netflix. Those bastards. Yeah, it's it's pretty messed up, honestly. I, I'm, I'm really upset about it. But there's still a chance. There's still hope. People are trying to hold out. Um, if you've noticed, people have been tweeting with the hashtag save. O-D-A-A-T, or One Day at a Time, hoping that some other network will pick it up. I think NBC could swoop in, another like Brooklyn Nine-Nine scenario. I even saw Lin-Manuel Miranda saying ABC should pick it up. So It's really shitty. And like the thing that like made me so angry about it was that Netflix was trying to pat itself on the back about it. Like, oh, we were so gracious to give you three seasons, blah, blah, blah. We just couldn't justify like continuing the show given its ratings. And I'm like, Netflix is sitting on all this fucking money. They don't need mm-hmm. more viewers. What they need is a portfolio of shows, some of which are critical darlings, like One Day at a Time, and others that are stupid-ass shows dr- that bring in the viewers anyways. And so you can balance right. out the portfolio <laughs> to have some shitty shows and some great shows that people aren't watching. And that's the whole point of being like supposedly a more like progressive streaming service that can take risks take financial risks to forward original content. Uh, There's a really great op-ed in the New York Times about this, actually, about how Netflix is turning its back on U.S.-born Latinos. Because, like, Netflix is so proud of itself for its original, like, programming that features Latinx people, but most of those people are Latin American and not U.S.-born. And so this is one of the few shows where we actually get the U.S. experience. I mean, if you think about all the famous filmmakers that are out there, uh, they're mostly like white male creators from Latin American countries, um, but they're light-skinned and white. It's not that progressive, like to assume that you're covering this demographic when you're actually excluding like people who are here, especially when you consider that they make up such a large segment of the population. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it's all really embarrassing for Netflix and shame on them. And I'm hoping that other, there are other Latinx celebrities trying to get the show saved. And the showrunner has actually said the most important thing you can do is tweet at this point. Signing petitions, fundraising doesn't do very much, but keeping one day at a time on people's radar is what matters. So I've been waking up in the morning and I've just been like tweeting or retweeting anything with the hashtag save O-D-A-A-T one day at a time. I recommend doing that if you care about the show. And if you didn't get around to watching it, you can still tweet and help us save a show that matters to a lot of people. You know, it's interesting to me too, because Netflix has never been very transparent about, you know, their business and how things work. They never talk about views. Actually, uh, Nielsen has been trying to like crack them for a while to figure out, you know, how many views their shows are actually getting because Mm -hmm. sometimes shows that seem like they're not actually doing very well keep getting renewed you know their their original shows and like I was ranting to you Aphrodite earlier I was saying like I feel like a lot of their shows featuring a boring like 
white cishet male lead are getting renewed without question. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't even know if they are actually getting as many views. Additionally, I mean, I don't know what their business model is, but it's like, you know, sometimes businesses have like multiple branches and not every branch makes a profit every right. year. Mm-hmm. But overall, the company is still making a profit. Exactly. And like, if you're if you have that much money, then you should be taking chances to put content out there that others uh, wouldn't necessarily produce. I mean, I would cancel my Netflix membership, but I don't have one. I just use my friend's uncle's Netflix account. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, so that's pretty devastating. Like we said, there is still hope. Please, if you if you have any sort of social media influence whatsoever, big or small, try to help by um, keeping Save O-D-A-A-T trending. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, tell your friends. It's They can still... I, I actually don't even know if watching on Netflix will help anything since no, nobody can see how many exactly. views it gets. But, you know, if you want to at least get people into it, it is still available on Netflix, the first three seasons. So, Like, this is about a company trying to make even more money. Like, a really well-off company just trying to make more money. And it's mm-hmm. it's not about the content. And it's not about the community or representation at all. It's really painful. But, I mean... We have other sources of pain at the moment. Um, yeah. If you saw the finale <laughs> for Black Lightning, you may know that Thunder Grace, again, as we predicted, was not in the season finale. Uh, like all this season, we've been like complaining about how little screen time we're getting with Thunder Grace. Some fantastic user on Twitter, one time use underscore 94. Uh, kudos to you because I love when fans have data. And this fangirl. <laughs> Put together, basically summed up the totality of Thunder Grace screen time, or specifically Grace Choi screen time. So in episode two of season two, she got 41 seconds. Episode three of the season, one minute, 26 seconds. Episode five was when she got the most, and that's four minutes and 30 seconds of content. And then it kind of like, I know, then episode seven, one minute, nine seconds. Episode 11, one minute and 29 seconds. Uh, episode 12, we got a little more with 3 minutes and 13 seconds. And then episode 14, the one where she shapeshift, this Twitter user was being very generous, giving Grace Choi 1 minute and 56 seconds worth of screen time, even though her she was in another body for yeah, that Yeah, so technically the character Grace Choi was on screen for that long. Even though the, the actress, actress mm-hmm. Chantal Tui. Yeah, so for the whole of season two, Grace Choi as a character was featured 14 minutes and 24 seconds, all summed My up God. together. So My it's God. really embarrassing. And I do feel like we got queer baited. We've gone over this before, like, you know, what, how we feel about, like, our definitions of the word queer baiting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, the word needs to, the definition itself should be evolved now because, you know, back in the day, I would say, okay, queer baiting is when they insinuate there's that there is queerness at all and there isn't. Mm, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, a lot of people say that Pitch Perfect has queer baiting. I cannot speak on that. I have not seen the films. Yeah. But from what I understand, there are insinuated relationships between women and it doesn't happen. They're, the characters are supposedly heterosexual. They have no romantic relationship whatsoever. A lot of people, and including ourselves, debate over whether or not Xena contained queer baiting, since it was sort of the the secret that everybody knew that Xena and Gabrielle were together, but it was never actually spoken about explicitly in the show. And again, 
that's up for debate. Yeah. But nowadays I feel like, you know, shows like Black Lightning are sort of queer baiting us because even though these characters are explicitly labeled as queer and even in a relationship, we know they're having a sexual and romantic relationship. We're getting so little screen time and lines, like you pointed out, that it's almost non-existent. You know, it's like J.K. Rowling saying Dumbledore was gay after the books came out. Like, okay, but where was he gay in the books? (laughs) You know, you're just saying that it's canon, but you're not actually showing me anything. You're just telling me later. I'm open to changing my definition of queer baiting. Maybe I won't use the term queer baiting then. And instead, I just say, I'll just say that we were cheated. I think we were cheated of Mm -hmm. representation that we were offered from the beginning of season two. And we were given reason to believe that there would be more of that type of representation. And then the queer storyline and the queer characters very quickly got sidelined. And all the important character developments were left off screen or explained briefly in dialogue from someone who is not the character. I mean, I feel cheated and and maybe the definition of queer baiting is just is it's sort of all queer baiting cheats fans, but not all fans who were cheated were queer baited. So maybe it's one of, <laughs> maybe it's one of yeah, those things, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, I what, whatever it was, we're like, we're extremely disappointed. And I think that's all there is to say about it. Yeah. So obviously that's why we're not covering any Thunder Grace content on this podcast because the season finale did not give us any. We're going to see what the next season of Black Lightning has to offer in terms of queer content in general. I mean, Grace is supposed to be a prominent character according to the canon of the comics. Maybe the TV writers are going to decide to go in a different direction. We're not really sure. Like, that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about, like, celebrating the representation that we do have right. and and you know right. really prioritizing and valuing uh, good representation when it exists and speaking of um if you are a queer internet fangirl like me you may have seen all the bajillion posts on twitter tumblr everywhere about the global phenomenon that is known as juliantina they're a ship featuring valentina whose father was killed on his wedding day and she and she's like like her, her family is a bunch of millionaires. And then Juliana, who comes from a poor background, and she and her mother have ties to some kind of like violent drug cartel because her dad was a hitman who disappeared on the family. Anyways, these two women from opposite worlds have the most loving, tender, soft, soft, soft queer ship. And it's on this Mexican telenovela that recently like swept the Mexican Emmys or something. And the representation has been so great and so plentiful that fans are now campaigning for a spinoff featuring the Juliantina ship. Think about Black Lightning numbers. To give you some context, like there is so much Juliantina content to consume that me and Natasha, we've we've been watching it remotely. We both hit play at the same time and then we like text each other like as we're watching the show. We went through four hours of content and we are nowhere close to done. And these are, and when I say four hours of content, what I mean is four hours worth of compilation videos that users on YouTube have very carefully compiled for our benefit. Just the scenes that pertain to the lesbian relationship. And we had four hours worth of material to go through. Wow, wow, wow. And when you went through this stuff, did you feel like it was really like 100%? It's like dense content? I think it's dense, but this is a soap opera. Right. There's like multiple kidnappings. And so they support each other through (laughs) that. I know. (laughs) 
Got it. Got it. Um, and it's like, <laughs> and it's also like slightly supernatural. Mm. It's like a very compelling story, even when you separate out the ship. But like, just as a warning, it's a slow burn. So just be prepared for the slow ass burn. Your girl loves a slow burn when it actually happens in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been through four hours. We have like way more left to go. I can't speak to the entirety of the series. The series that it's on, it's kind of a show called Amor a Muerte. It means love to death. The show actually already ended for anyone who decides they want to YouTube this shit. Look up the username Z-E-R-O-T-Y on YouTube and look for their Juliantina playlist because it is comprehensive as hell. But just as a warning, if you play it on YouTube, many of the essential scenes have been removed by Univision. So what I recommend doing mm. is going to this YouTube channel and then going to the community tab. And then on the community tab, there are Google Drive links that give you high definition videos. Wow. So I'm just I'm just putting this out there for any like intense fangirls who are ready for the ride of their lives, the slowest burn of their lives. Natasha considers this to be an A plus ship. Wow. That's, that okay. was her okay. recommendation. But I but I'm telling you, because I know Amira, you need you need like kisses like fast. This is <laughs> this is you need to see lesbian kisses real fast and you're gonna have to be real patient. But it's okay. like I can be patient. Yeah. If I know it's coming in the end I can be patient. You know, yeah. it's more just like when I'm watching a show live and I'm like, oh my God, is this ever going to happen? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now that you've told me it's it's legit, it happens, then oh yeah, yeah, I can wait it out. If you have more questions about how you can watch this Mexican telenovela on the internet, we can link you somehow or you can message us and we can follow up on Twitter or something. But anyways, awesome, I just wanted awesome. to make that massive plug before we talk about <laughs> the queer women of color goodies on Charm. Ooh. Yes. This was a bombshell of an episode. It's funny because the whole time I was like, but what about Nico? I know. I know. It's sad we didn't get any Nico. And I'm trying to like be okay with that, but like they've got to leave the door open for her to come back somehow. I mean, let's go through the episode and talk about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So we start off, Jada and Mel are trying to find this like stone thing that they need to give to the keeper. And Mel finally convinces Jada to tell her who the keeper is. And it's, you guessed it, we all guessed it, yep. Fiona, mm -hmm. the one we thought was dead, Charity's sister, and the witch that Harry was uh, a white lighter for prior to the Charmed Ones. So he believed that she Ooh. had gone insane and then committed suicide, um, when in reality the elders banished her to Tartarus, eternity in Tartarus, mm. uh, because she's immortal and she actually cannot die. And so Harry doesn't know. They think that Charity doesn't know. I think that Charity knows. Mm -mm. But <laughs> mm -mmm. yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Never trust the white lady. Don't trust white women. <laughs> I know. I know. It was, <sighs> it was that kind of episode. <laughs> I know. That, it really um, was. So Maggie and Mel had this whole argument about Jada because Maggie doesn't trust her. And Mel is basically like, how can you fucking talk with that potato that you're dating? Which Boop. I think is a valid point to make <laughs> uh, personally. Yeah. So I guess they had a whole like basically like a Freaky Friday moment, which they do later reference in the episode. And I really appreciate that where, you know, Maggie's like, oh, you don't know what it's like in my life. And then because... Maggie touched some stone in that weird underground chamber. Her magic was amplified and she was able to actually swap their souls between their two bodies. So they, they still had the, the power that belonged to that body, 
Mm. Um, so they essentially swapped powers as well. Yeah. Um, so Maggie wasn't able to like switch them back right away. And if you know about Xena and you know about us, mm-hmm. you know that we have a soft spot for body swap episodes. Um, yes. Like when Xena and Kalisto. Bring up I know, right? Xena and Kalisto, like ultimate body swap episode mm. storyline. Mm. I love a good body swap. And so this was yeah, just a same. fun episode. It was really fun to watch. At first it was like, I can't remember the actress's names, but I was like, Mel is really good at imitating Maggie, but I wasn't really feeling like Maggie was good at imitating Mel. And then as the episode <laughs> went on, I was like, oh, actually, you know, they're pretty good at imitating each other, especially the walks. I feel like she nailed down the Mel walk, like the gate, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they're like little mannerisms. But, you know, I feel like being Maggie is easy, just kind of like impersonating, almost like making fun of a high femme. Just. <laughs> oh my God. But like that moment when Jada sees her and tells her that she's like rocking the high femme look. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She goes, digging the extra femme look. And then after they kiss, which was already wild, Maggie goes, Oh, now I get what I see in you. <laughs> Oh Oh, my god. I was dying. I was dying. So really quickly, before that scene, I just wanted to make a note that Macy, now apparently because of the whole demon thing, but she may now start having premonitions, um, which was the same power that their mother had, but also the same power that the youngest sister, Phoebe, had in the original Charmed. So that's kind of interesting to me that they gave that power. So yeah, like the other two powers were the same. The old oldest sister had telekinesis. The middle one could stop time. But the the difference between the original and the reboot was that the original youngest sister had premonitions. The reboot, she's an empath and can read people's thoughts when she touches them. Both of them are like kind of the non-aggressive, like defensive powers. Call them something on the show. I can't remember. But it's interesting now that they also gave premonitions to Macy, the eldest sister, who already has an offensive power. You know, so I don't know. I don't really know where they're going with that, but it's kind of interesting to me. I actually really liked Macy in this episode. Just me too. Her eyebrows look great. I don't know if you noticed. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I didn't actually. I'm sorry. I'll I'll have to go back and look at them. I was paying close attention to her eyebrows. I was like, damn. Of course. (laughs) I think I was like really proud of the girls in this episode because I felt like they were open to new information because now that Mel and Maggie has swapped bodies. Maggie in Mel's body obviously takes advantage of this to find out about Fiona and like to realize like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, like the elders really are keeping information from us. And then even Macy challenging the elders when she realizes that the elders are not sympathetic towards Medusa. I was proud of Macy and Maggie. And then Mel sort of like, I think, became a little less hateful towards the Greek system over the course of the episode mm, yeah. as well. So all of them had something to learn from the, from each other. Yeah, I liked that. I like that, like you said, that Mel actually learned something about Maggie's life and kind of understood, you know, a little bit more of like why this kind of stuff is important to her and that it's not as toxic of an environment as maybe she thought. Mm-hmm. But I do like that it was Mel in Maggie's body who, you know, went up and, and like outed these people, you know, whatever the thing, that social media thing they were doing. So... Because I, I yeah. was kind of low-key, like, I don't think that Maggie would have done that. <laughs> no, I think Maggie would have, so, like, had a meltdown but not done anything that drastic. Yeah, yeah. Just to rewind a little bit, I was really happy that Medusa was in this episode. First of all, 
someone's turning people into stone on campus. My first thought, I literally said it out loud when I was watching the episode. I was like, oh, this is some Medusa shit. Yeah. We love Greek mythology references. Right? Queers yeah. love Greek mythology in general. <laughs> I feel like this is so gay. Like this mm-hmm. was such a gay episode. And then like, and then they're like, take forever to figure out that it's Medusa. And we're like, duh, well, duh. it's Medusa. And then they're like, oh, Medusa was a witch. And I'm like, La-da. La fucking duh again. <laughs> Literally any queer woman would have guessed that Medusa was a fucking witch. Okay. Like oh. that shit is like gay coded AF. Anyway. And yeah, you're right. I love, I loved that moment where Macy was like, hang on, they're all looking away. Mm. And she supposedly can only turn them into stone when they're, when they look her in the eye. Yeah. That was just really, really beautifully done. And I was really happy that that was taken care of in that way. And I was almost relieved when Charity and Harry were both turned to stone, like right mm. off the bat. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> okay, good. Macy has a chance to deal with this her own way. Yes, you know? exactly. Like she looks at Medusa, acknowledges her trauma and says, I mm. see you and I'm not going mm. to turn away. And that yeah. like, this is now the second episode that really centers the experiences of survivors in that uh, we got that with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl episode as well. Someone had taken lewd photos of um, the super cute new Kappa recruit. I think her name was, was her name Daphne? I kind of thought so, she yeah. was queer because did you notice when when Mel in Maggie's body sat down in the truck and the new recruit was like, is Maggie gay? I'm getting some vibes. Did you catch that line? Yeah, I did catch it, but I didn't think that she was gay. I thought she was like the typical straight girl put off by a lesbian. Oh. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing where they just like assume it that you're like predatory <laughs> and oh, you're literally no. just fucking sitting next to them. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I got that vibe. I don't know if I was just like projecting from life experiences but (laughs) that was kind of how I how I read that line especially with her facial expression so actually when Mel in Maggie's body we have to be careful talking about this on the podcast we're gonna get them all confused I know yeah and that girl was sitting next to her I thought that she assumed Maggie was queer because she her she was queer herself like you wouldn't pick up on it unless you were also queer do you know what I mean like when you Mm. like when only other queers have legit queerdar gaydar whatever um, right, right, right. But I mean, it, it, I guess I could. You could read it the other way too. I, it wasn't clear. But I think I was low key just hoping that we would get a fourth queer woman of color on <laughs> you this. Just show wanted everyone because, to be gay. Well, yeah. Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> so what had happened with her? Lewd photos had been taken of these girls and were circulated among a lot of the boys in the Greek system. They were posted on social media, actually, like with a hashtag. So, Oh, yikes, yeah. So like anybody who was following them could see. I mean, this show is really coming hard with the feminist overtones, mm-hmm, like in some mm-hmm. ways. And then in other ways, like we're a little bit disappointed, like with Potato and Maggie. and Right. But yeah, like, huh. yeah, I mean, they're trying and you can see how they're trying. And like in this episode, I thought they succeeded. I thought it was very moving, that final scene with Medusa. I wish she had had some more lines, though. I wish they'd given Medusa a couple of lines, like something to say instead of... Yeah. yeah. I was seeing that too. And Macy was kind of monologuing and I was like, I know Medusa has, has something to say. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like the actress played her really well. Mm-hmm. I feel like these guest stars, you know, just like the Manic Pixie episode, do really good jobs. Oh, yeah. The, the casting department's doing great. So anyway, yeah, after Macy figures this out, Mel and... Maggie find that their powers have also switched back. And so they can try switching their souls back now that Maggie has her own power, you know, well-practiced power. So she switches them back and they've made up and it's a great, 
really cute sisterly moment. And we're all like, yay, that's great. What a nice ending wrapped up in a little bow. But then some more shit goes down. Macy has been being evaluated by one of the elders who has chosen to like unmask her face. Not another white woman, shockingly. Mm -hmm. And she decides that Macy, I I don't remember exactly what her evaluation was, but she's going to have to probe deeper to look at a past event. So it's like Macy has these premonitions. She can see anything from any point in time from any person's point of view, which is super convenient when you think about it as a power. (laughs) But, you know, she hasn't really quite honed that power. The reason she had a premonition before of what Medusa was doing is, uh, again, because like Maggie, she had touched one of the stones in that underground vault. So she decides to use her weird, I don't know what it is. It's like some bizarre magical acupuncture and basically drives this needle like straight between Macy's eyes. And Macy sees... Who killed their mother? <gasps> and it was dun 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 charity. The white lady. The elder. So Macy comes back. She's like, oh my God, it was charity. And before the other elder lady can react, charity zaps her, snaps her fucking neck. And we end on that nutso cliffhanger. Okay, so here's something I want to point out. A, a very distinct difference for me personally between Charmed and Black Lightning. Mm. Charmed is not only delivering more on the queer women of color ship content, and they're doing a great job of that, but even when they're not, I'm still so interested and engaged in the rest of the story. Mm. The main plot lines are keeping me going. Besides Maggie and Potato, I always am excluding them when I'm talking about stuff like this. But, you know, in Black Lightning, it's like, okay, like Jen and Khalil, yeah, that was annoying, the rest of the storyline sometimes just gets boring. Tobias as a big bad, it's not that interesting to no, me. Even like no. their family dynamics, it's like yeah. just sometimes like the story isn't progressing. They had that weird like three episodes where Anissa was like a doctor in some like remote town and like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. what what was that? What happened? You yeah. know? So I feel like Charmed is doing a really good job with continuity, really like delivering the content. They're keeping it relevant, but also keeping it, you know, like on the fun side of stuff because it's like a show about witches at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. And what what they did with this episode was very clever, I have to say, because what they did mm. was, I mean, we started off not really trusting Charity, but then she and Macy have a one-on-one where she acknowledges that Macy did the right thing. And they're sitting on the Mm -hmm. edge of the bed and Charity's basically saying like, what you did was really brave and was like, you know, showing her respect to Macy for Mm -hmm. doing something Mm -hmm. highly unorthodox that got the right result and saved Medusa in the end. This is again, towards the end of the episode where we're thinking like, oh, Charity has redeemed herself because she's coming around. And and so it was like a fake out. Look, Charity's not evil. And then boom, Charity's evil. It, mm-hmm. it just took mm-hmm. us all by surprise. And I think the other thing is like them introducing this elder woman of color who's South Asian, I thought she was going to be kind of evil. Like I wasn't sure who on the elders was going to be evil. I guess we weren't led to believe that Charity would be evil. We we were led to believe that Charity was complex, that Mm -hmm. she was going Mm -hmm. to play, like she had, she was a more nuanced character that maybe had to make some tough decisions. But hold on in that flashback. She, when she looks down at their mother, she does say, what have I done? So yeah, yeah. I don't think that I think it is still a complex, like developing story. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, we we saw Fiona was like saying that Charity's dead to her because she joined the elders after she was banished to Tartarus. Mm. So 
because I wasn't really sure about that timeline. I thought maybe if Charity was in the elders and helped make the decision to banish her to Tartarus, mm-hmm. I would fully understand that she'd just be pissed. But the fact that she joined after almost makes me think like she had alternate intentions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Trying to like infiltrate or something like that. Not necessarily siding with them. So I'm not really sure, you know, maybe killing the mom was an accident. I I don't really know. I don't know what's going on there. But I do know that I cannot wait to see. Plus, you know, the um, South Asian elder, I mean, I wouldn't say she's evil, but she definitely was like, not super chill. I mean, (laughs) what she did to Macy at the end was like 100% non-consensual and like kind of messed up. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. We all know elders like to just have their way or no way yeah so well here's the thing because like slowly maggie comes to see that maybe the sarcana have something real to share with the charmed ones mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. but i also yeah. don't think they're gonna paint it out to be that simple i don't think it's gonna be that the sarcana are good and the elders are evil no it's gonna be more complex than that and i think that's what they're doing with these characters I guess to an extent, that's what they're trying to do with Potato. We just don't care. P.S. Where the hell is Galvin? Like, he's still doing some kind of mission. Is he going to come back? I don't know, but... Yeah, because Macy, when when she went to the elders, she was like, oh, I've tried everything, like scientific and magical and then i was like oh yeah isn't galvin's on some like expedition like yeah like because she made it sound like that was already done and it didn't work and i i don't really remember that happening yeah i mean mean, but this is also what i think compelling writing is about it keeps us guessing we don't actually know what's going to happen just like we don't know whether melko is endgame or maleda is endgame we have no idea Mm -hmm. To have that tension and pull us in both directions i think that's what makes uh, a show like this exciting and that it's actually quite hard to to really pick a side oh my god i know i was really crushed that nico wasn't in this episode because it almost seemed like okay that's done now Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean did they really close that chapter i feel like it would have been a more like a bigger thing her saying goodbye to nico right like i think it's not over till it's over She's not married yet. (laughs) She's not married yet. Right. And you're right. If they were going to close out the Nico storyline, they would have given us closure. And we did not get that in the previous Mm -hmm. week's episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's plenty more of the season left. Yes. For them to give us that. I I think that Nico's going to come back in some other capacity. And I have no idea what that's going to look like. But Mm. I... Mm. I feel like if the writers wrote out Nico's character and didn't bring Ellen Tamaki back regularly, they would be missing out on a huge storytelling opportunity. Like this mm. list, like queer women of color, love triangle is like the love triangle to end all love triangles. It is so good because you've got like an AU with a history rewriting bit. You've got like the witch thing. <laughs> like, is she evil? Is she not? It's like, it's like all the things and there are sparks flying in every direction and you don't know what's going to light on fire. It's true. It's almost like a fantasy fic. Like, Oh my it's God, crazy. right? The whole thing is a really great <laughs> fanfic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Minus the lack of like really juicy sex scenes, which we are still waiting for. Right. Good fanfic would have some like smut. We're waiting for a little bit of that material. That's what I'm waiting for. Right? For sure. Jeez. For sure. I want to see it. <laughs> We're allowed to see it. We know now it's that kind of show. We I saw know. with Maggie and Potato, so they can show us with the others. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, God. Like, you don't even have to make it, like, soft and lovey-dovey. You can make it, like, like hardcore fucking. We're down. Yeah, make it rough. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
do whatever, whatever. We'll literally be happy with any sort of sex scene whatsoever. Yeah. We'll take it any way you want to serve it. Just make sure you serve us the goods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh. Oh, my God. So I think we can end on the note that Charmed is doing it right. I'm really happy with the show so far. And I'm like, it's like I look forward to every episode every mm-hmm. week. Um, and that's the feeling you want to have as a fangirl. I mean, exactly. I'm an exactly. actual fan and, you know, of the show. We have our quibbles here and there. We're like, oh, I wish they'd done more of that. I wish they'd done more of that. But like... The key point here is that you're eliciting a strong reaction from viewers who are continuing to watch. And so, like, whenever I kind of feel myself, like, hating something or loving something, it's because I'm, you know, a fan. Right. And, and like, whereas, like, for other shows that are sort of lost my interest, I really have nothing to say because I'm like, I'm done. I'm over you. It's over. Right. (laughs) It's It's over. I know. And breakups with shows are so sad. That's why I'm like, I'm kind of like hesitating and hanging on with Black Lightning because I'm like, I don't want to break up with the show, but (laughs) I'm I'm starting to be unsatisfied, you know? Yeah, I mean, you got to like, you got to cut your losses at some point. I know, I know. It's it's, hard. It's It's really hard, hard, I know. I mean, I did it. I know you can too. Well, you didn't quit it entirely. You just, you're still hanging on for the compilations. I'm talking about like. Like Supergirl level cold turkey. Like I'm not even gonna follow the ships. You know, honestly, like when I'm watching Charmed, I actually try to watch it live to give it the numbers. Mm. And I know, right? I That's watch good. the show live. I put up with so many commercials, Amir. It's awful. I know. God, how um, do you do it? I know, right? And the thing is, because I don't want to miss the beginning, I often have I play like a few minutes before, so I often watch mm. the last ten or fifteen minutes of Supergirl. And we're ten not or fifteen anything. minutes. <laughs> Well, yeah, I just have it playing in the background so I know exactly when to jump up from whatever got it, I'm got doing. Got it. You could just set an alarm and, and on like, your phone. I have an alarm set for Charmed every Sunday and Brooklyn Nine Nine every Thursday. Oh my god! At eight fifty-seven p.m. <laughs> oh my god, you're hilarious! I love it. Just a couple minutes before, so you yeah. can race out of the bathroom or whatever you're doing right. to watch it as it opens. <laughs> I know. No, that's that's smarter. But I mean, whatever. Like. Like, you let go of shows, and you let go of them with good reason. We're hanging on to Charmed. As long as they keep delivering some juicy shit for us, and I want them to keep giving us love triangle morsels here and there, like, don't mm-hmm. wait too long before you bring Ellen Tamaki back as Nico, because I don't want to hold out for that many more episodes before we get more dyke drama. Uh, okay. Ooh. Well, let us know what you guys think about the latest episodes what you think is going to happen we want to hear your fan theories please mm-hmm. tweet us at qwoc ship let us know your thoughts you can dm us anything you want and if you have any more mm-hmm. nerdy stats to share oh you know we love that we love it oh yeah i love seeing that graph with all mm-hmm. the like grace Troy data points i'm so into bar charts i love it data let us nerd out please. and if, if you need help and you're ready to jump on the juliantina ship dm me i'm happy to send links and talk so yeah she really is so yeah yeah i love <laughs> this shit i love this shit i know <laughs> all right well thank you so much for tuning in we hope you're enjoying our upgraded sound quality get in touch with us and join us again next time bye, bye.